This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, along with Warren Harper, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, a podcast about people, politics, and professions. And I welcome everybody uh, listening in today, and hopefully we can provide you a really good show. I think I think we've got a good topic. Uh, so how's your day going? Hey, it's going good. I'm I'm hanging in there. Very ready good. to go very good so uh we were we started we get together and uh, we connect before the podcast before we go on live and today we were talking about boxing and i actually think boxing ties into the topic that we have today so today we're talking about polarization oh. now so okay. you want me to make that leap from boxing to polarization Right? Please do. Very good. <laughs> so American society is aggressive by its makeup. Okay. So we like pugilistic sports. MMA is big. Boxing's big. Uh, you know, other sports where like football we've turned basketball into a contact sport <laughs> right and that oh. aggressiveness paired with you know people having a difference of opinion gives us this you know um i don't want to say it it gives us this more combative nature in our society. Mm -hmm. So did I make the connection? Um, I guess you did. You know, there's, there's a lot of contact going on, you know, if not in the streets, uh, in the Senate, in the House, in our politics. Yeah, people are uh, frustrated and angry. And, uh, you know, sometimes they get physical. Yeah, but they haven't, I mean, one thing I can say about our legislative legislation, legislate, legislative um, forum, Process. Mm -hmm. is that is that we haven't had the physical altercations that other um, countries have had. You know, with the throwing of shoes and you know the attacking each other, throwing punches and stuff. So, so we haven't gotten there yet. And I'm leaving yeah. over the possibility. Yeah, I think they like to do their dirt behind the scenes, you know. Well, the... <laughs> well I, they do it in the press. So they attack yeah. each other in the press. That's uh, true. And they attack each other, you know, in conversation. And so while that's not actual physical confrontation, it is a form of, of, of confrontation mm. that is meant to not foster communication, but to beat or browbeat or force their opponent to surrender ground. So mm -hmm. again, I, I think 
that is a part of uh, of our society. So you sent a, a link, and I've included the link obviously in the in the show notes. So make sure you you know find the podcast wherever you know on Facebook, on YouTube, or Twitch. Um, and and I, it's a little nine minute clip, and I had a lot of differences with the clip. But it uh-huh. did bring to mind some ideas about how to have the discussion or things that I wanted to include in the discussion. Um, so, so when you think of polarization, how do you how do you see it? Well, I think um, we're talking about um, in our country where we have freedom of speech. We sometimes we want to take that to the extreme. And, and go all the way out on a limb and try to um, enforce um, personal opinions and wills on, on other people when it's really uh, not necessary. I think it's overreach. So, so I understand, you know, the, so the use of force is an attempt to short, shorten the uh, communication cycle. So if if I say something and you say something different, mm-hmm. if I have a conversation, then we can go back and forth for who knows how long. And you may sure. never uh, accept my point. But if I use some kind of force, then it's an mm-hmm. attempt to bypass trying to reach consensus. Yeah. And so, um, so I think that that's where our our this you know politicking and where our discussions have, have reached again because we believe so much in force as a nature uh-huh. you know most people don't want to have that conversation because they may not be prepared and what i mean by prepared is if you don't have a good argument uh-huh or if your opponent has a better argument than you, let's say you have a good argument, but your opponent's argument is better than yours. Force okay. then um, puts you in the, is an attempt to put yourself in the driver's seat, regardless of whether yours is the best argument or not, or yours is to, your attempt is to shut the other person up, stop the other person from presenting their argument. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is power. You know, we in this country, we really want to have power to force our uh, point of view or our ideas onto other people. And that's why we have so much, so many problems, because when people feel they don't have the power that they've already lost, and it's not about what's fair and what's good or bad, it's just about power to have your own way. I think that's part of the problem. Well, okay. So, so I think the whole concept of exerting force over someone uh, is as old as man itself. That's true. So you've got, you know, you've got the uh, landowners and the not landowners, you know, they, they wanted to impose their rule. You had um, the United States breaking away from, from, uh, Great Britain because uh, uh-huh. you know they didn't want to live under 
an oppressive regime. So, so using force is, is an age old way of trying to resolve issues. And so I get that. And part of what we're trying to do in building our democracy is um, not letting force, and that's the, the, the benefit or the, the desire of a democracy is to not have to use force, but to communicate and come to a consensus. And everybody has, um, so there's some force involved. So if 51% of the people vote for something and 50% don't, they have to concede. Now, who right. wants to concede? Um, because, you know, I believe in my issue. And why, why, why would I want to concede? Fairness. Yeah, why would you? Because, because of, so the answer, the short answer is fairness. Um, but fairness is not one of the things that we specifically try to promote in our current system. Fairness is not, so we talked, I think it was last week, about uh, uh, coerced confessions. Right. It is not fair to coerce a confession from someone. But that's not what was important. What was important was getting the conviction. So fair is not something that we push, huh? Yes, to the prosecution. Right. So fairness is not something that we push. Fairness is not something that we try right. to adhere to as a mm -hmm. society. So, so it is no wonder that our, in our political discourse that we're not trying to be fair. There was, there was a, a, a situation where someone was nominated for the Supreme Court and that using a system that was unfair, that person wasn't given an opportunity to be heard, to be placed on the Supreme Court because we don't value fairness as a society. Mm -hmm. We value it as a talking point. It is aspirational and not, uh, uh, and not something that is actually practiced. Okay, I can agree with that. So the question is, if we say the system isn't fair, was it always this way from the beginning? What's changed? If it, if it was that always this way from the beginning, then nothing has changed. Right. And so I agree, nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, because the country was founded on force. The subjugation uh -huh. of the Native American. The I was thinking that. enslavement of, of black people, mm -hmm. the, the rejection of immigrants. It's, it's always been about force. Yeah. And so that there has been no change, but I, I found it interesting in that, in that uh, video that, that you supply. So they, they blamed it on everything, but the individual, they blamed the news. They blamed mm -hmm. Uh, the environment, they blamed right. um, Facebook, social media, everything but the individual. The left, the right. Right. 
They blame oh, no. everything but the individual. And they use psychology to support their argument. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the statements they said very early in the video was the news media is designed um, instead of voters being shaped by news, news is being shaped for voters. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the problem I found with that statement is news is not, it's, it is, if a voter, if they, if, if, if the news media finds that voters are more likely to engage, if you give them emotional fodder, mm -hmm. how then do I reach the voter except but using emotional fodder? <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So, so the news is not being shaped for voters in so much as it is influencing voters' behavior. It is being shaped by voters because that's how they respond to it. Gotcha. They're responding emotionally. If you give them something that's not emotional, they're going to tune it out. I agree. I agree. So, so that statement in the early in the video, I said, here's one strike against this video mm -hmm. because they, you know, again, um, did not see that there's a cause and effect, mm. or at least they saw the cause and effect and they placed it on the news and not on the individuals. Right. Right. News is the problem and not individuals. Because if individuals wanted news that was straight news that did not have an emotional slant, that is what we would have. Uh -huh. But people don't want that. They want to be emotional. Right. They want to be incited. And if they don't get that incitement, they're not, in, in, they're not in, interested in, in partaking of it, whatever it is. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, if yeah. you had a, uh, you know, when you, when you're, I see, um, used to be, I, when I would go in the store, you'd see these people standing outside with these petitions, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the people would just walk by. They, 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 they would listen for a second and would walk by. Now there are some people that are going to stay, they're going to read the, they're going to, uh, they're going to read what it says, and then if they decide to sign, they will sign. But a lot of them didn't bother to read it. They listened to the person describing what it was happening mm -hmm. and then just signed it without reading it. You know, they how, didn't really know for sure what they were signing then. They didn't know for sure what they were signing for, or they just took the word of someone else. Right, right. Okay? So that is important in understanding people's behavior. If I have to give up some of my time to participate in the system, 
that's too much because I've got to get home. I got to fix dinner. I got to turn on dancing with the stars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are hustle bustle in a hurry. Got to go. Don't have time for a lot of things now. So that happens. Right. For sure. And so for me, it's on the voter. It's on the individual because it starts with the individual. And here's the paradox. How do you get someone to want to be different? Because if I'm not saying to you something that's emotional and you want emotion, you're going to reject it. But you're obviously working off of emotion and don't want to change. And what's important is that we try to operate off of information and facts and things Mm -hmm. that aren't emotional. And that don't change with how I feel today. Yeah. Well, you said facts, and that's that's key because a lot of the sources of the information we get from certain sources may not be fact-checked, may not be even half true, you know? So, but we get emotional off of it. So there you have people... Um, reacting off of things that uh, they really aren't sure are true they but they believe it well yeah i i guess i i just so you know over several episodes i've talked about um not getting emotional and mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know when they're being emotional i know that sounds crazy or it may sound crazy, or it may be not believable, but I've I've listened to people be emotional, yeah, and think they're being rational. You know, some people yeah. don't know when they're acting out of fear. They they equate whatever I'm thinking at this time; it must be rational. Hmm. So, like, uh, someone tells them the school system is failing. The only information that they have is someone told them that the school system is failing and um, a neighbor's kid got a D. So the school system is failing. That's fear because you Mm -hmm. don't have all of the information to make a more informed decision. Right. Definitely not enough information. Right. But if you're not willing to go look up the information, to go get the information, then you're willing to react off of emotion. Yeah, well, if you got uh, kids in a school, first thing you need to do is be involved and and find out uh, what your student is doing and what as far as how the school is teaching them. So that's two sides you gotta, you know. That too, but you also have to know what is the expected result? Sure. Because if you don't know what the expected result is, you don't know if, if they're failing or not. Right? That is true. Okay. So so someone says, um, we've got four sixth graders that are reading at a third grade level. 
Okay. All right. So people get up in arms. So we're not teaching right. Nobody's asking, well, are these three students the norm and we need to revisit the situation? Or are these are there special instances that cause these three students to underperform? Because we know that there are multiple factors that go into a child performing well. So we've identified that uh, a lot of kids weren't eating at home. Uh A lot of kids needed additional help. So those factors go into making that situation. But if you don't know those factors, you're not, you're not um, performing or you're not assessing the situation off the facts. Uh Right. Yeah. I mean, and as, as a parent, you should know, you should have a really good idea of how well your child is performing because you are involved and engaged with them. You know, you know what time of lessons they have and you're checking their progress and you're working with them. Right. So, but, but your child may be performing well, Mm -hmm. but other children around your child may not be performing well. And some people have assumed that because other kids are not performing well, that my child is not getting the best education. Yeah, I can see that happening. I can see that be a problem. Sure. And so, and so is that, you know, what is the proof? Where did you, where did that person look it up or find why that situation has occurred? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there is proof at that point. I I, you know? I think there has to be. I think there's, it, there has to be some proof, but we need to find out. We need to dig that out. We have to do more research than just kids around my child are not doing well, so the school is not well. It needs more work. Because it well, becomes yeah, easy to blame the school. Yeah, the, the school is partly responsible and the parents, if they aren't, if the child is not doing well, I think the parents should know. And if the parents don't know, the school should be letting them know so that they can take action. Well, OK, so there's there's the, um, you know, grades, mm-hmm. the quarter grades and that kind of stuff. Um, and so. If, if we're not asking all of these questions, if we're not, um, if we're not digging up the information, if we're not researching, if we're not, you know, we're not giving teachers, we're not, there's news article after news article of teachers that have to supply school supplies out of their pocket. These are people that have gone to college, have a looming, um, student loan bill having uh-huh. to take the money out of their pocket to help kids that they're, that they're teaching. And then, and then when the voter goes to, and there's a school bond issue. <laughs> right. I knew you try, were going to say that to try to help this school. They don't want to come out of their pocket anymore. I get it. Right. They're looking at, 
I'm barely making it now. So why would I give my money to the teachers? Right. Right. So rather than trying to find a solution, right. They get emotional about it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an uh, emotional topic and emotional situation. I mean, we covered what school choice a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago or so. I was and getting I there. That's, that's <laughs> why that's such a big, big thing, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, when these situations come up, then you're looking at, well, what are my choices? Should I be looking at other schools? Does do I need to pay more taxes? But you can't do it alone if they if the bills don't pass. You know, you're just one vote. So it it gets a little interesting about how do you solve a problem beyond it being just your child. If it's your child, then it's it's on you quite a bit to to put in and and help your child come up to uh, bring their grades up. But if this turns out to be the school, then that's a whole nother problem. Well, how do you identify if it's the school? And and I'm not. Let me say this. Let me preface this. Okay. You're not going to have the answer. You're going to have a part of the answer. Mm -hmm. So I'm not asking you to solve the problem of the school. I'm asking for you, how would you think it would go to try to assess whether the school is at fault for the child's learning? Well, I think, there's got to be statistics as far as grades goes and, and how that school is rated and with as far as grades and the curriculum and all of that. But being engaged with your child should give you an idea of what that system, what that school is, is teaching them or how much help they're getting. But it, I think it boils down to involvement. You have to really be involved to know these things. Okay. So... A while back, I think you sent me, uh, what was it? Sent me an article about, uh, I didn't write it down, so it's kept my mind. It'll come back to me later, maybe. Um, But anyway, going back to the school choice. Mm-hmm. So part of that conversation, we talked about school choices. People are taking money out of the school system mm-hmm. to finance a separate environment right? for learning. But there is a, but one place they're learning something different than they're learning in the other place. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, then how can you say that pulling your kid out and going to a private school has benefited them? It may be that their grades are better, but if you're not learning the same information, then how do, how can you measure the two? How can you measure that they're getting a better edu- education? Mm. I think... First of all, it depends on what the parent considers better. 
Because that's going to be relative from one okay. family. Okay, and so and, and and you you have a tendency to do this, mm. and you and you and you and you come up with the idea that it's based on the individual. And the problem mm. I have with that is, if you have a standard that's based on the individual, do you then you really don't have a standard. When you say individual, you mean the the parents, right? So if one parent believes. If one parent believes that the education is not good and another parent believes that the education is good, which one is right? I'm not saying which one is right, but if it's your child, you have to decide that on your own. I don't know if there's, how do you know? So, so we have to have a standard. There has to be a standard that applies to every child and, and a measurement that everybody accepts as a measurement, as a true measurement of learning. Because without it, there is no standard. There is no, you cannot, you, you cannot measure success. Okay. That's so the whole point of success. Standards? Huh? Do standards exist? Well, of course the standards exist. That's why, that's what the, that's what the school system is based on. Okay. The school system is based on standards. That's why they teach the way that they teach. So when you say the school systems, are we talking about strictly because you have different systems? What does that you mean? Different public, systems. You have the public system. Right. And, school they, system. and they have different standards, which is what I said. Right. And then you have private schools. Right. And, and if there's, if there's no standard of mm -hmm. measurement, it's impossible to measure. But that was my question. Are, are, are they separate or are they the same standards? So I'm not, we had Between that conversation and, private. and we, we had that conversation. And one mm -hmm. of the things that came out of it was, is that there is different rules and standards that applied across those different options. Okay. So there's not a standard. Okay. Okay. So then if that's the problem, who can fix that? Because I think that the only the government can make a universal standard. Uh, well, okay, so that that's that's kind of not a part of um, prior um, polarization. Okay, if there is that aspect of it that you know one parent thinks that private education should be, uh, and and another parent doesn't. Um, that again is just another example of polarization and not mm -hmm. okay. working towards a single understandable solution. So we're blaming Facebook or in this, in this video that you, that you um, identified, they blamed Facebook, social media, yeah. social media saying that, um, and, and all of the solutions that they put forth in the video, were making adjustments to social media. Uh -huh. And, and so what I'm saying, I, what I, what, what I looked at was no matter what changes you make to social media, if we don't have an understanding of that, the individual is responsible for their behavior. It's, it's not going to matter. Right. I see what you're saying there. So the the individual has to be responsible for their behavior. 
So so what does what does polarization look like to I asked you what does polarization look like to you? And so I'm gonna now give my definition of what polarization is. So polarization is um people not willing to accept other people's viewpoints. Okay. Sure. So so if if I think that the public school system works, that it's doing fine, and you don't accept that, and then uh-huh. I provide what I see as, as uh, facts to support that. Uh-huh. If you can't dispute those with facts that, are, that, that we can both agree on, then it's just a, a matter of opinion. Okay. And then and then that becomes polarization. We have to agree on a language that we can communicate with each other on. Okay, on on a language. But what you were talking about the school system or in general. I'm I'm just talking about in general we have to agree on a language. Um, that we can uh, uh, communicate on. Yeah. Some people say that the election was stolen. So in order for me to understand you, that person, I want them to tell me how they believe that the system, that the election was stolen. And if they say, well, there were a bunch of ballots that weren't counted, counted, that somebody pulled out from under a, a table. And I say, that was disproven. Uh-huh. If that person then can't give me more information supporting their argument, but they refuse to let go of the fact that that this was disproven, then we don't have a way to communicate. We don't have a way to bridge that and polarization then exists. Yes. Okay. That's true. So I tend to think that there are a lot of influences that go into polarization. Um, Intelligence. Mm. Okay. Um, Desire. And that's an emotion. Emotion, yeah. But I think a lack of emotion is an important uh, factor in not having polarization. Being able to um, know when your argument is a good argument or not. That's a good one. But there are a lot of people who will stick to a bad argument regardless. Because for some reason, they don't want to seem like they lost to you. They don't want to seem like they lo- They don't want to lose face. You know, well, what the what's I think one of the big factors here is you made it clear some of the reasons why, you know, for the polarization. But we're not talking about just a handful of people that are 
now we're talking about huge numbers of people divide and the divide getting bigger and bigger. How do we, um, how do we assess what's, what's behind that? More and more people not wanting to uh, accept uh, proven facts or being overly emotional about something that's, that's probably not, not real or true. Okay, that's very good. What's, what's going on with that? Okay, so part of, part of what, what they talked about in the video was during World War II, there was less polarization. Right. Okay. Because most people supported the war. In times of trouble and hardship, I think there's less polarization because there is a mutual a mutual need to achieve something. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't think the polarization goes away. It's just people drop their op- their objections to other issues. Okay. So they're polarized. They're polarized. The issues that they're polarized on become less important, uh-huh. and the issues that they have of shared value become more important. And so they drop those objections for now, okay, to to join in together as a community on that shared issue. So if if our society was under imminent threat, there would be greater unity because of that shared um, need. So I think part of how polarization grew is because of the um, because of America's you know, long, uh, what do I want to say? Because, because we're having such a boon in um, an, economic, an economic boon that people feel emboldened to now push other issues because they don't have the same um, issues with you know, putting food on the table. While there are a lot of people who are homeless, there are uh, a lot of people who are, you know, have issues with food. Those people aren't aren't the ones pushing opposing issues because their main I, uh, um, issue is shelter, food, clothes, the immediate needs. Mm-hmm. It's the people that have excesses that can indulge some of those other issues and be um, immovable on those issues. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I follow. I follow what you're saying. So, but do you feel like right now? 
uh, we are doing, you, you've pointed out the homeless situation, but as far as the economy goes, do you think things are to the point where people have less concerns than they may have uh, in other times? We have more millionaires in American society now than we've ever had. For sure, sure. We've got more people. While there is a huge amount of um, people close, while the the um, um, so we've got we've got the 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 the, the there was another video you you uh, sent where the guy was talking about new order. Yeah. Okay. So, so in it, the guy talked about what are the, what are the factors that you can use to measure whether a society is in decline? And one of those is that the, the gap between the haves and the have nots uh -huh. gets wider. Right. Okay. So. So that gap is getting wider. Yes, I think so. I agree. So that gap is getting wider. So there is going to be people, there are going to be people who, while not at a place where they are homeless, are not at a place where they are starving, are not at a place where they can't get clothes, that realize something is amiss in the system. Huh. Sometimes those issues come out in other things. Uh -huh. They don't always come out in um, financial terms. You know, they're, they're, they're fighting against the haves, but they're, they are fighting against uh, other issues, believing that that's going to change the wealth gap. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So there are there are, you know, people that people that are are comfortably well off monetarily don't find that that they have the same issues as people that struggle every day to pay bills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so we saw that play out as, uh, what they call it? Um, uh, oh, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, when I'm trying to think of how do you, how do you describe it? Um, Mickey Mouse and, you know, when they, they were complaining about Mickey Mouse and, um, uh, you talking about Disney. Yeah. But, but it's the, when they, when, when, uh, when they call it, uh, man, man, um, what do they call it when, uh, culture wars. Oh, okay. Culture okay. wars, yeah. 
So, so, so it comes out as a culture war um, because people that have more money have different options. And so for them, there's been different issues. So Mickey Mouse doesn't mean anything to them because it's, it's an investment. But for, or for someone who, whose, you know, daughter is uh, 12 years old, you know, Mickey Mouse is a staple. It is something important to protect, right? Hmm. So it comes out as a culture war. Okay. I don't know about that one. That, that's that's. Why would you see that differently? No, no, I'm not disagreeing or seeing it different. I I just don't know how to see it because I've never really been into Mickey Mouse or any of that Disney stuff. Yeah. Okay. Just me personally. But my question I wanted to turn around was to ask would be. Where do you see in this economic divide, the socioeconomic difference, as far as the numbers increasing? Because you've got, like you said, more and more millionaires, billionaires, and all of that. What about the lower half? Which are more people going up or more people going down? And and who's moving up and down is what I'm the question I'm trying to. So now for me, you know, I I. So I have to take, so the difficulty is, and, and we've harped on, we, we've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. We get our information from the news sources. Right. Now we get it from comedy. Yeah. And they talk about the shrinking of the middle class. I, I never really truly figured out what that was. I hear it, but I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where the middle is, but, and we've had that conversation too, but that's just kind of a mystery to me. Okay. So many of our legislators make more than the median income. So they're considered elite. Okay. Um, we don't have a standard definition of middle class. Right. It fluctuates. You can read it in one article and, and they say, give you this dollar amount. And sometimes they're not even really close. I'm just confused. I, I, I still don't know. It's, it's just a guessing game. So without standards, and I'll say <laughs> it again, without having measurable standards, without having measurable metrics, it is always going to be difficult to get an answer. Right. When you can't get an answer you are going to have polarization because mm. one person can't prove that the other person is right or wrong, or you can't use a desired metric to have a conversation on the same level. Mm. Okay. So we can't argue about what the what the 
what is the middle class and whether it's growing or shrinking if we don't have a definition of what the hell the middle class is. I agree. I agree. So I think part part of our our polarization is there are issues that people are pushing that people don't like. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Part of that is we don't. So we don't have those, those standards to end that argument. And I get it. Some things you just, some things are difficult to measure. Some things are difficult to put um, boundaries on. But the more things that you have that are that have that don't have clear boundaries, the more opportunity that you have for uh, polarization, for people defining it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you. If you don't have a clear definition, it's a real challenge. A standard agreed upon definition. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing agreed upon. Right, but there's. There's a lot of different main categories that people are polar, polarized under. I think okay. we went over a couple of those. Then we like um, what politics, economics, um, freedoms. What are some of the others? Oh, I could probably list a few, but I'm, I'm the ones that are important. I think the ones I think are important is there has to be a level of honesty in the conversation. So if, if, if someone says there was cheating in the election, but they don't have any proof. Are they going to honestly admit, I don't have enough proof. I just believe it is so. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Right. What about freedom? How do you see freedom? I see it as people, a lot of people want to be free to do certain things regardless of the harm that it may cause to others. For example, we went through this pandemic thing and we argued over vaccinations and, and mass mandates. Those were polarizing uh, situations, wouldn't you say? So, uh, so there was two sides to that issue or multiple sides to that issue. And my concern was, um, my concern, my concern was there weren't, there weren't, there didn't seem to be enough. It, it didn't matter how much information that was provided. Uh-huh. People were determined that they weren't going to accept it. They were determined that they wanted a particular outcome. And so it didn't uh-huh. matter what someone said. Now okay. they would take opportunities to 
saying, well, oh, they changed their mind, so they don't know either, without understanding that science is not an exact science, uh-huh. and that the people were uh-huh. providing information based on the best information that they had available at that time. And right. so when they changed, it was because new information came about and they looked at it from a different point of view. That you know, if you looked at it honestly, you'd say, okay, I understand that. But if you wanted to just ignore that, then you focused in on, well, you've changed your mind, so whatever information that you're providing isn't valid. And that's not necessarily the case. In in the early goings, they said, wear a mask. There was a belief that wearing a mask would help. Then they later said, cloth masks don't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did that mean masks don't work? Well, of course not. But what did people hear? Masks don't work. They lied. (laughs) Yeah. Different types of masks work. Because they learned. Yeah. Because in the process of doing what they did, they learned. True. But we have people who don't believe in science, who don't want to learn. They don't want things to change. They Uh don't want progress. They don't want us to progress. Being a progressive, being a progressive is a horrible thing. (laughs) So, so we, we got a, a guest says science is the newest religion. Uh, the one where you can just bribe scientists and, mm. and, and, and there we go. So no religion. So is, is, That's- is bribing a scientist a standard practice or is it something that a few scientists have been bribed? Well, there's no reason to believe that the industry is bribable. Now, there there are people have done things that have called into question the integrity of scientists. Like, uh, you have a scientist that stands up for the breakfast cereal industry, and you find out that they were paid by the breakfast cereal industry. Right? So yeah. it calls into question their integrity. Does that mean, you know, the, the, the breakfast cereal industry tried to make things work in their favor? So they damaged a whole industry mm-hmm. by paying drug companies, drug companies going to doctor's offices and, um, giving kickbacks and all the other things that drug companies did to get doctors on board for with subscribing 
medicine that eventually caused harm. Yeah, and you can go a little bit further where they had um, uh, government, government officials uh, colluding with them, with the drug industry, and letting them get away with a lot of things. It, it might not have been across the board, but there were certain situations where you had people that assisted in that, that worked for the government, and that, that didn't make it any better. I'm sorry. People well, are people. Well, okay. And that's and that's where that's where integrity and honor become important. Absolutely. So that even if so if you know that a study is being sponsored by um an industry and that there is a potential that the results would be um, uh, looked at unfavorably because of the sponsorship. What do you do? Do you not take the money when you got to eat? Even if you know there's there's fraud or something wrong? Or even if you know that there is a potential for people to believe there was fraud. Remember, one of the things that I talked about was politicians have a responsibility to protect the institution. I also believe scientists have a responsibility to protect the institution of science. Okay. So if a study is being funded by the gas company about global warming, that's a bad combination, yeah. right? Because if the results, because regardless of how the results come back, regardless of how the results come back, Somebody can say, oh, if, if the results come back and say uh, fossil fuels don't call global warming, somebody's going to say they got that answer because they were paid by the uh, fossil fuel industry. If it comes back and says, and they say um, uh, fossil fuel harms the um, the, the um, ecology environment. They say, well, it, it might've been worse than that, but they, they, they changed some of the results so that it didn't look so bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's almost kind of a, a, a no win situation. Hmm. Well, people have to, thank you. People have to be, I think we need the right people in the right places and, and jobs where critical decisions are made. And a lot of times we fail to have the right people in there. To get people in there that are subject to take bribes or turn their backs when things happen and, and we pay the price for that. 
I, I think I think we don't in our society we don't value honesty and truth and justice mm -hmm. enough to create the standards necessary for people to believe in the system. And when we have people do some of the things that our elected officials have done, it harms the whole system and it causes that polarization sure. because it's difficult for me to argue with someone and say, oh, our political system is great. Because there are far too many examples of it not being great. Correct. And so if you don't have a clear ability, you know, we, we talked about Clarence Thomas and the potential for harm to the Supreme Court because he won't recuse himself from certain things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That does sure. harm. I understand he may not believe it's causing harm. Oh, I, I think he knows it's causing harm. You think? To not harming the people on his side. <laughs> That he and that's and that's where him. right and that's where and that's where the problems start to come from. Yeah. All righty, we're done for today. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you, brother, for joining me. We will be back next Saturday. Again, I want to let everybody know um, we're not doing Friday and Saturday until um, the mid-August, and then we will re reassess whether that uh, we're going to go back to two shows. But thank you very much for joining us today. You have a good day, brother. All right. You too. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.